Kia ora, welcome into the breakdown. Jeff McTate with you for the next few weeks and for Kirsty, and it is great to be back on the show. The usual suspects, uh, Jeff Wilson, Sir John Kerwin and Chelsea Semple, Blackfern. Great to see you all. Uh, and Chelsea, obviously you caught up with the team this week. Um, second week of the World Cup for the Blackferns and, and a great day for them. Made the quarterfinal, beat Wales, but I guess some still some things to iron out as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I've just come from the game, actually, and again, it was a great spectacle of rugby. The, the crowd was pumping and um, just an awesome vibe to be part of. But Black Ferns obviously ended up with a pretty high score against Wales, but as you said, there are some key things to iron out there, particularly around the scrum and some things up, up front. I'm probably more interested in the opposition. So did the English-French game really live up to what you thought it would be, and are they as strong as they were at the end of last year? They definitely lived up to what I thought. Um, they're better than they were last year. They're, they're even fitter, they're faster, um, they're even more aggressive. So that... Just the French or the, <laughs> the English? Oh, both of them. Um, I, I feel for the French. They lost two of their, their best players, two of probably the world's best players in that match, one with a concussion and one with a, with a knee injury. Um, Sansu, their halfback and manager, their number eight. Mm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they cope with that. But they did um, lose them early in the game and they still played really well. So. I've been away for two weeks. I haven't been on the show for two weeks. I watched the game when I was in Australia, taking a quick break. I was watching the opening weekend, watching NPC. It didn't feel like I was on holiday because I was keeping on eye on <laughs> everything that was going on back here. And I don't know where to start, but we'll clearly start with what happened today. Out in Waitakere, in terms of the performance and the next step for the Black Ferns, because that's what we're watching right now. This new coaching team has come together. They've put this group, this was a different combination, Chelsea, in this side, who got their opportunities. I've got to ask you, did they step up? Did they put their hands up? The scoreboard says yes, but overall, in terms of the performance, will individuals be looking at it and going, yes, today, I put my hand up? Yeah, that's a really good point. Obviously, there were a huge amount of changes made to the team this week, and... Uh, to me, I feel like some of those people really did step up and take the opportunity. The midfield, for example, Teresa Fitzpatrick and Sylvia Brunt, I thought those two worked extremely well together. Um, they got good front football, they had good D, good connection, and, and they both put their hand up. Um, I think there are some other areas that the jury's still out on, particularly the front row. Uh, both both Afina Tanjan Wainohu and Tanya Kalonivali, our props, are both great ball runners. Um, they're, they're great around the field. However, our scrum didn't go so well today, and that's that's very uncharacteristic for those two players to be beaten in a scrum. So there's some questions being asked there. So, look, I think um, Wayne Smith is, is narrowing down his, his starting 15, but I'm still not quite sure we're there yet. Wayne Smith's been wanting a test, Chelsea, for this team um, up front at this World Cup. Obviously, Scotland to come, and then it's, it's all on in the, in the quarterfinals knockout rugby. How much of a test did Wales provide, and how easy is it going to be for this team to make those adjustments that they talked about at the end of the game? I think that's the really interesting thing at the moment. We've had England and France play an, an absolute blockbuster of a match against each other, so I think that's quite beneficial for them. However, we've got that footage of them now as well. The Black Ferns have still not been tested to where we need to be tested. We've had the games against Aussie. We've played them four times. Um, Aussie lost to Scotland. Uh, sorry, they just beat Scotland yesterday. Um, and obviously we, we put a big score on on Wales today, so um, we, we, we were behind to Aussie for a bit, so we have been behind the post, but... We expected to win this game. Come on, we expected to win this game. We know Wales oh, are part of a six-nation. So we expected to go and win this game. We've won the first game, JK, Chelsea. I, I look at this now and go, what we're trying to avoid, JK, surely, is when we get to the quarterfinal, then the semi-final, yeah. being surprised about how good, and we've seen it, 
how good England and France are going to be. It was a completely different contest last night. That was a different game of rugby. They were playing at a different level than we saw today that we've seen through this tournament so far. Yeah, look, I think part of the issue is that when you get together late mm. and the preparation has completely changed and the coaching staff have come in, when you're building a team, sometimes some things go well, others don't. Today we saw the scrum, they'll go away and have to work on that. And that's just the lateness of the preparation. You can't get around that. Um, I think there is a couple of issues for me. We have to make sure that the referees keep the speed in the game. So we've got to have a fast game because I think that'll be most important for us. Um, and when does Wayne settle on his selection? How did Ruby go? You thought that was a oh, success at fullback? I kept an eye on, on Ruby from the stands. Just to, I was quite interested to see her positional play. And Ruby does the most homework out of anyone I've ever met in the team. So I knew she'd be, she would have been doing that all week. And I thought she was outstanding. Her positional play, the way she worked with her back three, really good. So there's a really solid 15 option for, for Wayne Smith. And, and having Ruby at the back, you can keep Portia Woodman, um, Aisha Leti Inga on the wings and, and have all three of them working together. We'll take a look at the standings uh, and we'll dive into uh, the Black Ferns a lot more and see statistically where they're at and how they stack up against France and England uh, at this World Cup. But this is Paul A and obviously a couple of wins for the Black Ferns to get things going. One against the Wallaroos to start, of course, at Eden Park. Then Wales, Scotland still to come, who uh, led Australia yesterday and then the Aussies uh, came back. Uh, they need to watch their discipline as well. A couple of players sent off again for them. Paul B, Canada, uh, out in front and... Uh, second place overall uh, in the standings ahead of Italy, USA and Japan there and then of course they are calling it the pool of death. England, France uh, up the top there, England a couple of wins, South Africa and Fiji still playing uh, as uh, we speak at this World Cup. 14 all uh, yeah. currently in that match. Um, I, I guess Chelsea we talked about the pool the, the Black Ferns are in. Um, do they take enough out of watching that game against England and France? Is there anything they can learn from, from watching that game yesterday? Can Wayne Smith go, There's, they're doing things differently from what we saw on the India Tour last year? Are you seeing anything different from yeah, both of those teams? Look, you'd have to take a lot out of watching that game. It was physical, it was everything we'd expect from, from both those teams. And the way, they've play, the way they're playing hasn't changed since the end of your tour. If anything, they've gotten fitter and faster, um, and, and the speed of the game is a lot quicker. So. Those girls watching the game, the Black fans, I know they'll be looking at the physicality, the things that England and France do off the ball, that the teams that they've played so far haven't, haven't put them under that type of pressure. So what do you think Smithy does? Goldie, does he well, actually, look, does he actually you, pick, you mentioned pick one his thing. side this yeah. week that's yeah. going to go right through? Yeah, I think he's given everyone an opportunity to play, right? And the challenges they faced last year, and we saw... The Black Ferns were dominated up front. Now, we're going to want to play our style of rugby. The reality is that France and England, and you talked about the slowing down of the game, they're going to want a physical contest. They've had the benefit of time to build themselves through a professional environment to a point where they play direct, they are fit, they are fast, they are physical. The, if any team allows the Black Ferns to play, allows Portia Woodman to get her hands mm. on the ball. You know, to take opportunities. We know they're incredibly dangerous. So you start looking at selection and going, how is it you're going to win now? Are France and England going to allow space to Porsche women? I don't think so, JK. I mean, that's the reality of the fact is that we've seen already the scrum, mm. the line-out defence. We saw it in that footage there being dominated. We have to match whoever I've got no, I've in semi-final. I've got no problem with them trying to shut it down. What I don't want to see is the slowing 
of the game down. Well, regardless, you know, regardless, I don't want to see that. I want to see match. a fair yeah. contest around the referee, not letting players slow the game down, so that they're taking away what I think has been an amazing spectacle so far. The, the key, the key thing here is, is the physicality, and that's what New Zealand are going to have to match of, of that of England and France's, because by from watching the game last night. The physicality in that game, just the sheer smash and bash of, of the players, um, the injuries that are coming up because of that, far, far higher than the games I've seen of the Black Ferns so far. We've, we've been allowed in, we've been allowed to score tries, we've been allowed to defend far too easy. They're not going to miss some of the tackles that Wales are missing. No, the, exactly. The, the, the Wallaroos miss it. That, that's not what France and England are about. And so this Black Ferns team, like I say, they're preparing for knockout games. Mm. That's the benefit of not just their next game, the quarter-final, which they should have an easier ride through, and then reality is they have to prepare for the biggest test they'll ever face. And that's actually what it takes to win a, a Rugby World Cup now, because mm. you're up against better prepared teams. And we're likely to play France, mm. right? That's the reality. A couple of their players, some of the most talented players here, disappointing for them. There's no doubt we've got talent. Yeah, That's look, the one thing, the, right? The, the England and French coaching team have been around a long time. They're going to be looking at the way the Black Ferns are playing. How are the Black Ferns scoring all their tries? They're getting the ball out to Porsche, to Ruby, to those players. So I think what they're going to do that the other teams we haven't played so far have done is they're going to bring line speed, they're going to try to shut us down, they're going to bring that physicality, and that's where our Type 5 have to step up, match them, get body past the ball so we can get on the front foot and be able to get the ball out to them. And we've been there, right, JK? When you're at a World Cup and there are teams that, as you're going through pool play... You're dominating, you're playing well, but in reality, that's not necessarily preparing you for what is, is gonna, it's going to take to win a Rugby World Cup. Yeah, and look, we've got the scientist, right? So he's going to know all that stuff and he'll work out the game plan. I think for, for me, there's a couple of things. Do you pick your best side this week because we don't have the pool of death? So, you know, in many respects, I'd rather be in that other pool and play England once and then... Find out. Goes and find out. Um, so, what do you do this week with your last pool match? Do you play your best side? Because then after that, and you know, the, the All Blacks have often spoken about how hard it is to keep going back up to Everest, and you know, so that's going to be difficult. I repeat, I think if we have an open game, because yeah, how do you take physicality away from the opposition? You run them around, mm. and that's all that I want. I just want a fair contest around the game. <laughs> Hold being... on, you want when you say fair contest? I mean, because well, they'll say their contest well, is different. They're talk, looking for a yeah. different contest. Well, let's talk about Super Rugby final when we had four minutes of scrum. Let's talk about props going down and. <laughs> if you're a Crusaders fan, you loved it. If you're a Crusaders fan, you loved yeah, it. But, so... but look, the, the 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 games so far have been amazing. Mm. It's been a spectacle. It's been a it's been a party. It's been great rugby. It's still an aerobic game. Mm. And I am critical of the men's game being too anaerobic. So all I want in the playoffs is that the referees do not let opposition... Now, if we can't handle physicality, that's cool. But part of taking on physicality is running them around. I mean, that's what we used to do when, we, when I was coaching the Japanese. When we played Samoa and Tonga, we weren't as big, so we just played an expansive game. Right? And you've got to take risks with that because then it's pretty hard to be physical when you've run from mm. you know, one side to the other. So that's all I'm asking World Rugby. <laughs> World Rugby, that's what I'm asking you. The message has been well interesting. We know uh, that uh, England, I think, have an 80% uh, strike rate off lineup when they're inside the 22. We'll take a look at how the Black Ferns stack up against uh, France and England across the park. Uh, visits to 22, missed tackles, penalties conceded, set piece percentage, line breaks, and tries. Uh, and you can see uh, England out in front 
opposition 22 as uh, we mentioned and uh, Chelsea is now going to take us through a bit more analysis and how the Black Ferns might have to adjust when they come up against the English and the French. Well I know for a fact so how are our Black Ferns are going to beat England and France this year? That's the question on all of our minds. We've got some footage here from the Northern Tour last year where the Black Ferns did get beaten by both teams. However, there are some clips here that show how we could penetrate them, how we could beat them. And I think these are the type of things Wayne Smith and the crew are going to be looking at. So if we just look here, um, and, and let's remember, end of year tour last year, this team had not been together for two and a half years. We didn't have much chemistry, um, so we're probably not working off each other as much and we're not making the right decisions. We see in this clip, there are a few options where there actually is space in between the England defenders. However, we're not really looking up or talking to each other, so we don't pick the right option. Ends up, if we play that through, ends up in a dominant tackle by England, um, where they then put us on the back foot. Same thing again here. There's a couple of different options we, we probably would have been better to take was uh, there's a disconnect from the ruck to the first defenders. There's also lots of numbers out wide. We know that's where our best attacking weapons are. Uh, but instead again, we haven't quite got the, those combinations sorted out. So again, ends in, ends in a turnover as we don't quite have the support with us. Uh, this, this clip here just shows, you know, we need, a, we need to be running a lot sharper lines off each other. Um, there's, a, there's a France winger in the back there who's quite isolated, so space out wide for someone like Porsche Woman to attack. Instead, we, we end up drifting, um, which gives France an opportunity to get another double tackle on us, and we don't make the most of our opportunities. Um, here, I just want to make note that we've seen this throughout the whole World Cup. I've been watching England closely. Their wingers love to jam in, so that means the space for us is out wide. We see here, number 14, the wing is jammed in again. Nice straight run from the inside. And hopefully we get the ball out there to our dynamic players. Like in this one here, skip pass straight out to Portia Woodman. As the winger again, that's the winger, the last player there. Straight into her hands. Just pause it there. So we see here, there's, there's a couple of options for the Black Ferns that, that England leave us. And they've been showing the same pictures throughout this World Cup. There's the space out wide, the miss pass again. There's also the space in behind to kick. And we've been seeing the Black Ferns have been using that as a weapon this year, the attacking kick to space. So this time we opt for the pass, and there's the space. And, and again, same thing with France. Their wingers really jam in there. So if we do that right, get the ball to space, this is how we'll be able to score against England and France uh, from what they've been showing us this year. Celebrations all around, hopefully. <laughs> as easy as that, guys. <laughs> as easy as that? Yeah. So I want to know, uh, Goldie, who do you think, uh, from the first few rounds of, of this World Cup, is there anyone from the Black Ferns that you think is going to be key to, to getting all this working in the right way? First five, first five, yeah. first five. It's the ten. And Ruahe Demant, the captain, has been outstanding. In terms of her decision-making, the variety in her attack, the way she's taken the ball to the line, wonderful offloads. The fact whether or not she remains and continues to do that against the pressure that's going to come her way, but also recognising when it's time to distribute and when to use her forwards. Now, the forwards have significantly changed tactically for me, going through the middle of the park. They did it in the, in the test matches leading up and of these test matches, JK. But Ruahe, for me, is the player who's showing her experience, the composure. I wondered who would take ownership of the 10 jersey. If you've got that, 
you've got a big part of your game taken care of. And at the moment, she's doing it really, really nicely. Pressure's to come, but critical at the moment, she's doing a good job. Yeah, yeah I, I actually think also the kicking game from 10, from 12 is going to be important. If you want a slower defensive line-up, if you want to turn a bigger pack, then you've got to have a good kicker game. But I agree. I think if you win a World Cup, then your 9 and 10 especially need to be um, some of your best players out there. You mentioned it before, uh, JK, they've got Wayne Smith on board who is worth his IP in gold. Chelsea, do you think that there is, there is something up the sleeve? Like, I mean, we saw what Wales did uh, at the Mall at scrum time uh, against the Black Ferns uh, today. Turning things around like that is going to be very difficult ahead of the knockout stages. So is it going to be a case of, you know, trying to do a hit job on them in midfield, get quick turnover ball? Can you see maybe our loose forwards having an edge, something like that? Uh, yeah, look, um, I've obviously been part of, part of the team right up until mm. the, the last minute here and, and all I can probably say is that Wayne Smith, of course, does have things up his sleeve um, that he'll be saving for later on. Um, but, but one thing um, I'd just like to mention is, is the offload game that he's got us playing. Our, our, our saying is to play on top of teams and we haven't done that in the past. We didn't do that at the end of their tour. So, Lou, for example, is the best at it in the game at the moment, Lou Hay Demont that is, and the way she's just been empowered from this new game plan, the likes of Jonah Nan Wu as well, These are the, this is the game that suits us Kiwis, it suits us girls, so he's got us playing this way and I think that, you know, this is the way that the England and France will be chasing us. Do we ever have anything up our sleeves when we're coaching? <laughs> is that maybe the problem? Sure. No, we, no, we had no, we had no secrets. Cut my sleeves. We <laughs> 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 had some secrets, we had nothing, we had nothing up our sleeves. So I, I look at this though and I look at this Rugby World Cup, I, I, even in itself, and I think about the fact that France and England have had the benefit of five, six seasons of professionalism. And all of a sudden we're seeing better conditioning, better physicality, more direct, um, tighter games, line speed, everyone's good over the ball. JK, is there a danger? I look at that and I look at the, the direction that this World Cup, even already is going, the more professional the players get, similar to the men's game, the less space there is the less opportunity for skill and speed, and there's the balance. Is it now the time for the Black Ferns maybe to have that one last, you know what, this is the beautiful game before the next Rugby World Cup and more players are professional. They've had more time to train and prepare. No, look, I, I went to the weekend last weekend with a couple of really good rugby people, and they preferred the game last weekend because the male game has gone too anaerobic. It's too stop-start. People aren't enjoying it. So that's a world rugby decision. They need to take control of our game. Our game in the, um, in the males is not for everyone anymore, so they can stop saying that, right? Because it's an anaerobic game, they're all big and strong. Whereas in the female game, it is still anaerobic. They're still running, they're still throwing the ball around. And that's why I think it's so, um, so good. Professionalism, professionalism is one thing, and we should talk about that, because I, I thought that was ridiculous writing about the wages the other day in the paper. We'll get to that. <laughs> but it's actually the rules in our game that we don't want to change. Why, why am I so um, vocal about slowing the ball down and slowing the game down because I want the game to be anaerobic. I want everybody to be able to play. And I think we need to take some real strong action and that's across both uh, think, male and female. Yeah, I think the difference in the women's game um, is, well, the obvious difference is 
we're never going to be as fast as the guys. We're never going to be able to pass the ball as far. And we're never going to be able to kick as far. In the men's game, any one of the guys in the back line can punt a ball, you know, 40, 50 metres. Whereas in the women's game, it's key players and we're never going to kick that far. So the you kicking... don't think that's just a matter of time, though, with the opportunity to train Look, and work? Science, and... science says <laughs> that women don't develop as much muscles and, and don't have as long as limbs as guys. So... So we're never going to be able to kick for territory. So that's why we're getting a lot more running rugby. We're playing that aerobic style of rugby because that's the way we beat other teams is we have to use our footwork evasiveness. We can't just kick the ball 50 metres down the field and hope for the best. We can't throw those lot, really long half-the-field passes. So I think that, that's why the women's game is, is that is exciting the aerobic is, right? game. Yeah. Just, just off the back of what Goldie uh, alluded to there, Chelsea, how... Will we just see over time the evolution of, of uh, the women's professional game and the link between FPC, Opiki and then Test Rugby? Is there perhaps a wee bit of a disconnect at the moment between the process of an FPC player, Opiki, and then going to play for the Black Ferns at a World Cup? Yeah, I think we're going through um, a lot of change, obviously, in the women's game in New Zealand at the moment. We've got the top 35 players full-time contracted, which is which is awesome. It's what we've been pushing for. Mm. However, under that, we've then got the Opiki girls, who our campaign is, is five or six weeks long, and, and that is the stepping stone. But there's still only 35 contracts. And then we've got the FPC players. So how long is it going to take for, for the contracted girls, who are full-time professional athletes, to suddenly be playing against FPC players who are still working full-time, their mums, some of them are straight out of school? But they're expected to play against full-time professional black ferns. I think that's the big disconnect, and that's something we really have to, it's a have genuine, to talk about. It's a genuine concern for me in, in terms of getting the balance in investment, right? And I get it. The players deserve, given the amount of effort and time they're putting in, to be paid and remunerated and supported. But the reality is, if the gap gets further, all of a sudden the distances... And I think it becomes a danger issue in some ways when the fact you've got 35, 40 players. Now, I, you're always shaking me head at me, so that's <laughs> nothing new. Nothing new for me. But I, I just want to make sure that um, you just don't... It's not top-heavy, JK. No, no, I'm it's shaking, not top-heavy. It has to have balance head, in terms of the steps you go through, where the investment goes. If it all just goes to the top, then all of a sudden the distances get further and further. Yeah, I'm shaking my head because... Not because I disagree. It's because why are we following the men's game? Mm. Why are we trying to do all this stuff following the men's game? Let's look at it uniquely. We un we've understood some of the pressures mm. that is in the men's game. We've understood the financial pressures. So why don't we look at it different? Because I think you're right. Mm. We can't have someone coming out of school, someone who's got to have a job. So we just need to look at it differently. And look, the Northern Hemisphere has always been ahead of us from a financial point of view, from a backing point of view. They have the six nations. They've got a really strong competition. But if we can only have four professional sides, then that's what we should do. We should create a competition. Then we should have feeders through it. So we need to look at it differently because we need to be like any other all-black brand. We need to win this World Cup. We need to win the next one. We need to be making the semi-finals and the finals. And if we go, oh, sorry about us, you know, they've got all the money over there, we'll just lose. We need to look at it differently and show some courage. Mm. There was a lot of chat during the week, uh, Chelsea, Goldie and Jack. I know you wanted to talk about it as well, about the, the, the focus on contracts. It just yeah. seems a bit strange, second week of a World Cup. I'll just say this. It's disappointing for me is the fact that, and I, and I understand the World Rugby had clear reasons why they were playing all the games on the weekend in a single venue, three on each day. But what happens is there's been seven days in terms of five days of discussion where all of a sudden we've been sidetracked away and started talking about who's going to get what if they win rather than focusing on the fact that... 
There's games going on. There should be contests. We should be talking about the rugby. Talk about that stuff afterwards. Worry about that afterwards. Don't you know? I understand why people want to talk about it because they want to try and get the. Uh, the, the I don't. Well, I do because they want to talk. About, I don't. We want to highlight. Why do you want to highlight everything? Wages. We're trying to highlight everything in the game. What they should be focusing on right now. I don't care about anything on the money side of it. All I care about are the teams and who's playing and who's on track to get where and who's playing wonderfully. Who are the superstars that we should be watching? That's what should be important. But what you've got to realise right now... Sorry, you're going... Yeah, I should probably be quiet. Right. Um, <laughs> what you need to realise is that the, the women's game is still in the investment phase. Yeah. So that's why they're playing it on the weekends. It'll be about I costs. And I get that. But I don't understand why we are talking about the salary and who's going to win this and who's going to win that. It's a professional sport. We, we should be way more mature than that. Whatever someone gets paid is, is irrelevant. And I read an article where they put the wages out. Was that, were they true or false? Or Yeah, look, this whole thing coming out of the in midweek was a real shame and I hope the girls aren't, aren't talking about it all in camp because they have bigger things to focus on. But that, that article that did come out as well, um, for me, who's so, someone who is contracted, it, was, it wasn't right, it was incorrect. The numbers weren't correct, um, they, they were way off and um, it, it was frustrating. So all of that chat is, is just creating rumours and it's taken away from this amazing spectacle that's happening right now which is the Rugby World Cup. And that spectacle continues next weekend. The Black Ferns' uh, final pool game against Scotland. After the break, we'll take a look at the All Blacks 15 and perhaps some of the unlucky players who didn't make the cut. Back soon here on The Breakdown. My hooker, my welcome back into the breakdown. Good to have you with us on uh, this Sunday evening. Time now to talk about the All Blacks 15, the squad that has been selected for games against Island A and the Barbarians uh, later on this year, guys. Um, the All Black what? Development 15. Yeah, I know. I the know All Black what? Is it the All Black? Okay, JK, you've got the mic, mate. Is it the All Black 15? Is it the Development 15? Black what is it? is it? Is it All Blacks A? Well, all I've, Blacks I, B I, plus? Yeah, look, I think that the, the selection committee made a mistake because we were all expecting for the inform NC, NPC mm. players to be selected. And they weren't. For oh, me, it looks like a development. Oh, you weren't? Oh, no, I weren't. Oh, I wasn't because in, in the end, that, that doesn't necessarily mean they are the next and very best players uh, who are available, given the fact Super Rugby form still has to count because it played this year. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't hold it in isolation in a 14-team competition versus a 5-team competition. But it makes yeah. the NPC irrelevant. Well, well, but no, it's not because we're, trying to, selection. Find, we're trying to find a national provincial champion. We're not trying to pick an All Black side or an All Black 15 side. We're trying to find a national yeah, provincial every one champion. Of those, every one of those oh, national provincial <laughs> players want to be picked for the All Blacks or the New Zealand 15. But, but, that's when I look at the squad, when I judge the squad and I read it and I'm going, hold on, are these so guys... So you think it's the next best? Well, no, because the All Blacks have got a 36-man squad. So, so it's, not the, it's not the second 15, it's the third 15. Maybe it's the top 63, 63 players okay. now have okay. been selected. Well, let's, let's try and settle this. We'll take a look at the players, some of the players at least, who missed out on the All Blacks uh, 15. And some exceptional players there have had outstanding seasons. Um, I mean... Tom, Tom Christie, guys, is he, is he not one of the top 60 players in the country? Well, no, obviously not. Top 60, Chelsea, right? It is to be the top, what, fifth open side. Is that what we're saying here, or...? He's yeah. the, no, he's the ninth open side. How, how can you say you've picked the top 60, though, and you've left a, a current two-test all-black out in, in Peter Gus Sowakula there as well? 
I mean, to me, looking at that team, that's a that's a good team. Can a someone lot. tell me? I, I see, can someone tell me? Interesting enough. Can you, do you, do you, I'd like to coach that team. Can I'll someone tell, tell me what Peter Gus has done? Yeah. He's done something. He's either smashed one of the coaches at training, <laughs> like, or he's done. Well, how can I, I don't get that? I'll tell you what's happened. I feel and this happened to Akira Ioane. So do I. This yeah. happened to Akira Ioane, I think, three seasons ago. He played every single minute of Super Rugby, did Peter Gus Sawakula. Then he goes and trains and does everything with the All Blacks. Then he goes back and then he has to go and play every single game for Taranaki, right? He's just fallen off a cliff. He's put all the effort in. He's been training since December last year. You know, I look at it but, and, but... and clearly... And clearly they're looking at him saying, we don't know, we don't think he's the best next, best number eight, we don't think he's the best next number six, because that's where they played him or, or talked about him for the All Blacks, Chelsea. So I get it. I don't understand why he's not in the squad either. But maybe he needs a break. Yeah, I, I get that. He's, he's probably a bit burnt out from, from MPC this year as well, playing yeah. all those games back-to-back. -back. But you have to go back to how the guy performed at Super Rugby. He was the best, probably, performing number eight in the competition. And then yeah. he played well for... Oh, no, 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 no. I'd, li I'd like to be on that phone call. Oh, hey, Peter, it's uh, Fozzie here. Uh, mate, have a rest. <laughs> Well, here's the funny thing. No. There are guys I think that should have a rest. I mean, I, I, I look no. at this group, though. I look, I look at this group, and, and clearly, you know, uh, I mean, Duplessis Karifi is another yeah. one who's been in outstanding form, has led Wellington to What more, what the, more do to, you do? Uh, final. What more can you do? Yeah. Well, I, mean, I think of, of this group. Goldie, speaking of what more can you do, Sean Stevenson. Yeah. Uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, okay. Excuse me. I'm just going to play something. You guys didn't have any music, so. This That's guy. Italian music for Voce di Corridoio. So the Voce di Corridoio, I heard that you heard something, Goldie. So you've got the Voce, Krista Settimana. Well, look, if you went on form, and not just form through Super Rugby oh. when he came back from injury, and then he played for the Māori All Blacks, and then played for North Harbour... No, I want the gossip, mate. I want Voce. I'm not well, I'm just telling you his credentials are the fact that I'm hearing he's not part of this squad going forward because he's pending a move to rugby league, to the well, NRL. He? He's shifting across Punch the gun line. change. Because <laughs> as you've just said, though, look, as you've just said, and you mentioned Roger Tuovasa-Shek, maybe possibly going, that didn't happen, did it, Sir John Kerwin? But when you start well, hearing these things, and I've heard it from multiple sources, you yeah. start going, here's a guy who maybe looked at his future and said, you know what, if I'm not part of... Can you blame him? Well, can you blame him? Uh, look, no, he's a wonderful talent. What, what more can he do to what, get in no, at least All Blacks 15? So he's thinking, where else is there an opportunity for exactly. me to shine? Well, let's look at someone who uh, did decide to uh, take his skill set elsewhere and got on him too, and he joins us uh, now on the breakdown, uh, is Bryn Hall out of Japan. Uh, konnichiwa, Bryn. Kia ora, good to see you, mate. Um, what do you make of, of this, this All Blacks 15, or, or is J.K. and Goldick the All Black development, All Blacks B+. Plus? What do you make of the team? That was B+. Plus. Chelsea said Chelsea B+. Plus. B plus. <laughs> how, do you, how, do you, how do you describe this squad for Island A and the Barbars, Bryn? Uh, guys. Jeez, I tell you what, just looking from afar and hearing this uh, debate, it's, it's great to, to see it from, uh, from Japan. But um, I guess for me, it's you can see the reasoning behind it. It's the All Black 15 to have the brand and be able to have that kind of um, that kind of tag put to that name. Look, it's no different from the Māori All Blacks, um, from the All Black 7s. You know, that, that, that All Black brand is associated with those teams. But for me, I'd like to see it to go on a route of kind of like the Japanese and even the, the Australian A that's been playing in Japan, they've been classed as the uh, the Australian A or Goldie, as you've been saying, probably New Zealand C. That's what you're thinking. Um, but yeah, you can understand the reason behind the All Black branding around it, uh, because of obviously it's great for money and to have that brand out there uh, across the world. But for me personally, a New Zealand A or New Zealand B would be a better term for a better name for me.
Bryn, you knocked on the door, and I was so happy for you when you finally got the, the call-up, but you knocked on the door for many years. When these teams come out and someone like Stevenson misses out, I mean, what goes through your head and what do you start thinking about? Yeah, that's a really good question, JK, because I think having this team, um, it even gives you more of an incentive and understanding where you are and the, 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 skill, the, the skills of schemes of things, sorry. Um, you know, if you don't make your blanks, you're probably thinking, you know, am I fourth or fifth in the reckoning am I an injury away? And to be honest, you don't really get a lot of um, communication from coaches or even um, from things that from other people if you're in the reckoning. But I'll tell you what, you'd know pretty well right now if you're not in that kind of um, All Black 15 now, if you're not in that team and in that team, you kind of get being told that you're sixth or seventh and you guys have talked to our Peter Gus Sawakula, Sean Stevenson, Karifi, Christie, guys like that. Now I can understand Tom, he's a little bit younger, but you look at guys like Peter Gus and Sean Stevenson, especially guys that have been applying their trade for a really long time that can't even get in their All Black 15 now you know, for me personally, it would give me an incentive to say, you know what, maybe my time is to go because I'm not even ranked in the top five, top six, top six in the position for the All Blacks. Yeah, Bryn, I see a lot of positives in, in this All Blacks 15s team being named, uh, particularly, you know, the coaches being able to see a lot more people on the international stage. However, I, I would like to know what you think of, of what it will do in terms of a team culture. Um, you've, got, you've got our super teams, we've got our NPC teams. Uh, these guys maybe thinking they're not far off an All Blacks or at least an All Blacks 15 selection and then their mates who may be under them or not quite performing as well as them suddenly get a call up ahead of them. What does that do for our team's cultures within New Zealand? Oh, I think that's a good question, a really good question. Um, it's difficult because I think, you know, let's be honest, some of these guys that have been selected aren't proven. They're not proven at super rugby level and they're pretty much seen as a defend, uh, de developmental player. And look, that's no disrespect to the, to the Crusaders boys that have been selected in that team. And a lot of those guys haven't been proven at super rugby level or even at Mighty Team Cup for long periods of time. But what it does do is it's an all-black brand. It's your all-black team. So, you know, anytime you pull on that jersey and get the opportunity to do that, um, no doubt, you know, Leo McDonald, Scott Hansen, um, Peyton McMillan, who's had experience playing in those kind of um, short windows of, of bringing a team together, um, they'll be able to bring an identity of what that team might look like um, and saying, you know, this is what we're about for this two-week um, competition or two-week um, schedule. But then moving forward, hopefully, you know, it's three or four years where this team gets to be able to build its own identity, And but even though it's still under the all-black flag. Hey, Bryn, Bryn, I want to ask the question. Do you read anything into the fact that there's a few players who took a little bit of a break, headed towards Japan, and took a little bit of sojourn and, and, and clearly benefited from that? Do you think the fact that some of these guys who have got vast all-black experience, who could quite easily have slotted back into the main squad, Damon McKenzie, um, Patrick Tuipolotu, guys who have done that and come back, TJ Perinara, do you think there's in some ways a, you know what, you, you just can't quite walk back into the All Blacks anymore. If you want to go overseas and then come back, you've got to do more than prove you're fit and available. You have to perform at the next level. Do, do you get any sense from that? Oh, I think it does. And I think what you do do is, you know, you, you have the opportunity to go to, to Japan as the example that you use, Goldie, and to be able to, you know, um, experience something different. But also it helps in your back pocket being able to have those opportunities to to play in Japan, but what it does do, it gives you, it gives other guys opportunities to be able to play in your jersey. Now you look at TJ Perinata, you've got Finlay Christie, who was really good with the Blues and given us opportunities last year in their rugby championship in India tour, was been able to play a really good brand of rugby where the All Blacks are going. Falau Whakatawa, again, he's very young and was given an opportunity as well. You'd have to think Brad Weber, you know, we can't even start about Brad Weber with around how unlucky he's been with his form. But um, you know, what it does do, um, this, this team does do, 
gives them opportunity to be able to play at an international level and being able to say, you know what, the coaches can see them play at that international level. Now, Barrett B, it's going to be against a Barbarians team and against Ireland A, but, you know, you look at the New Zealand Maldives, a guy like Lomax. Um, Lomax was had the opportunity to play against Ireland A, and then now he's a starting, still a starting prop and had a great rugby championship. So there are positives and negatives, but I think you are right. Sometimes some players take a little bit longer to adjust back into the rugby of being in New Zealand rugby and what that looks like. Um, but then you've had some guys as well. You had Sam Whitelock, um, you had Bowden Barrett who came back and probably didn't seem like they missed a step. So um, there's definitely two argues. There's two ways to go through that. Brent, it's a wide and varied market now, the rugby market, and uh, opportunities uh, are going to, to young men and women around Aotearoa New Zealand uh, at a very young age now to go and play a, a abroad. What sort of message does it send when a guy like Sean Stevenson, who is a great chief, great North Harbour player, great Māori All Black, um, you know, he, he, he can't crack into that next tier. When, when, a, when, a, when someone's coming through the ranks and they look at that and they go, well, Sean Stevenson can't make an All Blacks 15, what sort of message does that send to that player? Well, I think it just sends a pretty message that you're not in the reckoning. Um, I think, you know, for a guy like Sean, who's played his trade for so long and, look, you know, came out of the, the college system very, very early and was given an opportunity to Chiefs. And, is, you know, I think he's grown through his career and I think probably the last 12 months... Barring injury with the Chiefs, he performed very, very well at the Island A um, in those two test matches. Um, played really well at the back end of the of the um, Super Rugby and then had an outstanding campaign for North Harbour. Um, you know, for me personally, like I said, we haven't had the opportunity to have this team where, you know, you might be thinking, well, my fourth or fifth off the rank just going to be really close. It sends a pretty clear message to me. If you're not, if you can't make the team and you're in that kind of situation, you might be better off to, you know, to play trace somewhere else where you could be going to the Dolphins and, we're actually going to have him on um, our rugby pod, our turtle, our rugby pod tomorrow. Um, so make sure you tune in um, and have a have a listen to that because we've got him on the show. I didn't say a club. I didn't say a club. I don't know about that. You're the other one that talked about the club. If you if you're on board to that, you've got to do. You've got to get all the information. Well, mate, I was just you know I just I didn't, the dolphins, everybody. All right, they, here they we go. Speak, Bring it on, dolphins. guys. You can speculate. Nice like, plug. Hey, nice Brent. plug. That's Good really plug, smart. I'll tell you, rugby pod. Catch it, Brendan James Pascal. <laughs> Thanks for your time, mate. Uh, enjoy yourself over there. <laughs> We're going to go to a break. You can come back after the break, JK, hot off the press. But uh, what happens next is a trivia question this week. See you oh. soon on the breakdown. What happens next? Hobbs, who's stationed at second five now. And uh, turnover is it. Looks like it. Crusaders, numbers to the ball. Goldie, you got your hand up. What happens next? I oh, thought we do it after the break. Yeah, but... Oh, um, the uh, Blues, Blues can intercept. Well, it's highly unlikely. <laughs> I'm thinking the Crusaders will probably score. That's what I'm thinking is going to happen next. What happens? I can't remember. When's your next game. holiday? What's that? <laughs> When's my next <laughs> holiday? Oh, John. So good to see you. Uh, I, I have an idea. I'm going to just go a really bad head high. Yellow card, red cards. Well, or a falcon. A falcon. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen a good falcon for or a while. Or a streaker. Streaker comes on. A good falcon. Answer is after the break here oh, on okay. the breakdown, and we'll get uh, into a bit of NPC as well. Stay with us.
go. Did you guess uh, it? I didn't even get the moment to shine. Yeah, your mum. Chelsea was so <laughs> desperate to win, she got phone a friend. She got help. And that's ridiculous. No, that's to be fair, I saw a message from my husband and I thought, you know, I better check in in case something's up. And serious? It said, pity gets bumped off. And I was like... Were you coaching that team? <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> yes. Was that your tackle technique? Yes. That's, that's, why, that's why I'm really worried that I couldn't remember that. I think I might, I think I might have been there. Sorry about that. Goldie, it all comes down to this weekend uh, in the uh, in the NPC. It's back in Christchurch. Wellington, Wellington, I tell you, that, that they've wound the clock by having a great season and they haven't won it since 2000, that great team. Uh, are they a chance or is the Christchurch factor, how big is it for Canterbury? All right, I'll, I'll, I'll make a comparison to when we won the title in 1998 with Otago, when all of a sudden you get on a tier and you get that feeling that you can push on and you can beat anybody, right? Regardless of who you're going to face. I think Wellington are there. The role that they're on, winning the Ranfurly Shield. I think this is nine in a row, right? And the way that they play, they are dangerous, JK. Yeah. Chelsea, they are dangerous. They've got threats right across the park. They've got former All Blacks who know about the big game, who understand what it takes to win a tight, test, uh, tight, tight match, have been in... in Sublime form. I really like what they've done. Um, Jackson um, Garden Basham been really, really good. So there's super rugby players have stood up. I, I genuinely believe this kid here, Ruben Love. There's a reason he's in the All Blacks uh, 15 development, 15 All Black C, whatever you want to call it. He's playing great rugby. So I think they are a chance. You've still got to go down and beat yeah. Canterbury and Christchurch, Chelsea. And I think that's the that's the thing right there. I mean, I've I've been part of two separate FPC finals and a couple of semi-finals down in Canterbury, and. It doesn't matter what form you're on or how confident your team's feeling at the time because you go down there, the crowd, the whole community, they all get behind their team. And the, the difference with the Canterbury team is both the FPC and the NPC, they've played a lot of finals footy. And finals footy, as, as you guys would, would know, is a whole different ball game from the start of the week right the way through. There's an added amount of pressure. There's, there's a whole lot of other things going on. The media's massive. So it's about how you face and control and control that within your team. JK, you were talking about it earlier today. Uh, he doesn't want to talk about it. I know it's to consider the talk fact. about this, yes. <laughs> you don't want to talk about this, I, I know this hurts. I want to get back to, to the Japanese financial What are you changing the subject for? <laughs> Auckland are out. Just deal with it. They lost. We'll comprehensively beat them. We'll get that we at the end smoked. of the show. We'll find... You got, there you go. you got oh, smoked in Wellington. All right. But, but we'll talk about their financial I think I think that Wellington has the X factor to actually put um, Canterbury under pressure. I think, you know, the, the, the Canterbury region, the Crusaders have done a great job. They've, they've united, um, you know, the whole province, but they also have one of the best systems of bringing players through. And so we see that year after year. And the reason why I'm always having a go at them is because they're so great at what they do. Chelsea's right, though. They go to so many finals. The only thing that Wellington need to be careful of is not just really trying to prepare like you normally would. And if they can compete, if they can stay in the game um, up front, and I think... Um, look at that. Know, look at that, JK. I mean, look at those numbers. I don't want to. Can we I take just, that off the wall? <laughs> look at Who that. put that up? Hold on. I mean, that's, that's remarkable. When you think 27 for 27 at home, the Crusaders... 18 out of 19 and 12 out of 18 for the Canterbury. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Let's talk about Wellington. <laughs> just, just, on, just on Canterbury and the Crusaders and the whole system as well, it's really interesting. Super Rugby Opiki's brand new, and we've obviously got the Matatu team down there, and it, and it's, and it is supported by the Crusaders region. And already seeing what they're doing with players around the country in terms of 
what they're offering them, going into the Crusaders environment, sitting in on leadership meetings, sitting in the crowd and watching the, the back three if, if that's their position, what they're able to offer because of their cohesiveness as a Crusaders and Canterbury unit compared to the other regions who, like from the Chiefs or Blues for example, we, we don't quite have that cohesion yet with the men's team, they're already streaks ahead. And that just shows that the system we've got going down there is, but, is working. But this latest crop of Canterbury players that, in this team, a lot of them are homegrown. They've, they've changed in terms of the way they've developed. They still bring the odd person in, Sir John Kerwin, and, and to add to what they believe they need going forward, and they present opportunities for players. But as much as it's frustrating from times I'm an Otago and Southland supporter, Auckland clearly, Waikato, I think, Jeff, if I, I look at it and go, you know what, this is actually still great for New Zealand rugby because if you look at the quality is, of some of the annoying. players, it's annoying, it's annoying, but the quality of players that continue to come out of Christchurch and the Crusaders is good for New Zealand rugby. Is there a window change, though, JK? Because I know um, that uh, you know, you, you've, you've said before that you know, players get plucked, they go down there, they get, they get uh, snapped up by the academies and they become Crusaders, but are we seeing a change now with uh, Blues rugby up here, and in particular the way that Northland have played this year in the NPC, how the way, how the way Harbour have played. Uh, are we starting to see a bit of a change in that respect? Well, all we need to do is learn from them. I think the, the Auckland teams in the 80s set the standard when we were transitioning out of amateurism into professionalism. And the Crusaders region have been doing this for the last 30 years. The interesting thing about Auckland is that now, you know, for the first time in a long time this year, Northland in the playoffs, Auckland in the playoffs, North Harbour in the playoffs. So that's a good sign. It means that your franchise is working together. I mean, I give them a hard time um, down in, in Crusaders country because I'm so competitive and they just do it so well. I've got, I don't begrudge them one title because if they're doing the job, if they're treating their young people well, they're, they're attracting the right people, paying them what they should pay um, and producing all backs, well, we should be learning from them. It's just I don't like them winning all the time. All right, I know you want to get it off your chest. I started and picked up on the fact these players who come back from Japan who have gone over there and been rewarded and remunerated for their performances. I mean, how do you feel what about you that? What you said was a contradiction for me. That's why I was... I contradict myself all the time. No, but <laughs> no, you said it. So this is what I thought Japan was built for. Japan was built for a financial sabbatical so we can keep our leading players in the game. Or available to us? Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah, exactly. Same thing. Right, so they go overseas, they play, they come back, they've made a bit of coin and they can stay in our game rather than going overseas for bigger money. So why wouldn't you put them straight back in? I don't get it. I don't get McKenzie not going straight back in, Patrick not going straight back in. Because if you want to have an attraction of you can have a financial sabbatical in your new contract through to 2026, uh, but then you start going, well, actually, we're not going to pick you, boys then it sort of, mm, it doesn't make sense. Well, Chelsea, would you pick Damien McKenzie right now over Stephen Pirofita? Clear, because that's the competitive position, right? Those two, yeah. Stephen's played 45 seconds of a test match versus Damien McKenzie, who's got worldly experience, test match experience as a game-breaker. We haven't seen it for Stephen Pirofita, hasn't had the opportunity to date. Yeah. See, see, that's a tough question. I mean, Stephen Pirafetta needs the opportunity and the coaches have talked him up about how far he's progressed. And I kind of disagree with you, JK, in terms of these players um, being able to go for these financial sabbaticals and then being able to come straight back into the All Blacks team. I think what, what these players um, are getting in terms of being an All Black and a Super Rugby player in New Zealand and the way... I'll, I'll say it, they're put on, put on pedestals in New Zealand as, as men's All Blacks. I don't see 
why they should be able to go over to the to the other another continent, earn more money for a year, and then come straight back in when we've got the guys like Stephen Petofita here on the grass playing NPC, playing Super Rugby, and doing the work. Two, two different arguments, mm. Chelsea. I, I don't disagree with you, but what I'm saying is that if it was built for that, then that's what it should be used for, mm. right? Um, I don't know how Stephen Petofita has played in the last eight weeks because he hasn't played. I'm looking forward to McKenzie seeing him. I hope he gets the right. opportunity. Yeah, so do I. Let's not put the. Pe but I what know, I'm but saying, I'm is, saying that is that it's a contradiction. The, but that's the obvious of why one right we're now, doing it. The one that's right, right now, right? And TJ Peronaro was the one last year when they did bring him back into the environment because they felt as though they needed him. The fact he was off contract, re signed with New Zealand rugby. Remember, he flirted with the idea of going to rugby league. He talked about that. When they needed him, they brought him back into the environment. So once again, I still think there's a grey area here. And I just, I, the reason I brought it up is when I looked at that squad and I looked at the three names, there's three significant names on there that have been, that have played uh, overseas, that have come back. I look at it and, and, and think that, to me, to me, it's a, it's a bit of a message saying, you know what, we've had a squad, we've had guys who have come to every training. OK, a couple of minutes, guys, before we wrap things up, just a few predictions for the weekend. Uh, Goldie, I'll start with you. Wellington, does the 22-year the drought, does it end in Christchurch or does the university roll on in their first since, I think, 2017 for, for Canterbury under Marty Burke? I think they can do it. I genuinely believe... Think, you think Wellington they, can do it? I think Wellington can do it. I think they can go into Christchurch, I think, with Julian Savia. Ruben Love in the form that he is in. Suffolk the way TJ Piranoa, uh, Duplessis Karifi, there's enough experience in that group to understand the big moment, to understand what they need to go down and win. They can, they will. I believe Wellington, the Lions, will be crowned champions this weekend. But I've jumped off a few bandwagons. <laughs> I said Waikato, then I said North Harbour. <laughs> North Harbour got, uh, got ripped off, to be fair. What do you reckon, JK? Yeah, the thing I like about Wellington is their big guys are stepping up. Yeah. And I think that Omoa, um, yeah. you know, the, the, they are very, very good. It'll be a big day for them, but they've got enough expectations. Yeah, I think Wellington are going to come out excited. I think they'll be up at half-time. And my, my heart really wants Wellington to win, but... I think Canterbury are going to be really annoying and just, you know, do something in the clutch again. See, they don't like when we go to Christchurch anyway, so <laughs> we, we can say that Wellington are, are going to win. But who do you think? You've called so many of these games, Jeff. I agree. I think, I think uh, Wellington are up for it. I think they've got the players, they've got the personnel. Safo Moore. I looked up the other at the bar and every time I looked up at the screen, he was taking about four players out, bowling them over. Guy in form, uh, you talk about the back line, brilliant. I just think it could be Wellington's year. The Shield, you mentioned that. That is the breakdown. Thanks, guys, for joining us again. As always, Charles, great to see you. Uh, go the Black Ferns this coming weekend. That is the breakdown for another week. Matewa. their place in the top four. Hippie straightening and stepping and breaking through. Lamika Pei Hippie breaks another tackle. Offloads on the right of McAllister. Oh, he's in. It's Canterbury against Wellington here next week to decide the Bunnings NPC for 2022.